Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Matt, before we get going, can I can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> Uh, I, I heard that uh, Geekscape is named Geekscape because uh, of uh, massive love for Farscape. Is this true? Uh, that is true, but that is more of a question for the Geekscape founder, Jonathan. I'm kind of his like right-hand man. You, you, you saw the way Quinn's eyes lit up. So yes. just, <laughs> just, I just want to warn you in advance, uh, if, uh, if you're not careful, Quinn and I will... We will turn the entire interview into a series of Farscape calls. I know he is working on trying to get y'all for an hour to promote the movie uh, closer to an official release. So save the, uh, the Farscape chat will be beautiful on Geekscape. <laughs> Christina and I will just politely exit that chat. Yeah, exactly. Hi, <laughs> <Bye>, Sanders. <laughs> uh, all right. So hello, Geekscape and horror movie night listeners. This is Matt here doing the fantastic fest, uh, virtual, uh, event. Uh, this is the first time I've ever done it virtually, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, and I'm here with the team behind an amazing movie, and I'm praying I nail this name because I'm so bad at accent marks. Ike Boys. Did I get it? EK Boys. EK Boys. EK. Ah, I'm awful. EK. Uh, so real quick, I'd like <laughs> all of you to just quickly introduce yourselves, and then we're going to just talk about Kaiju and Mecha and all types of great things like that. Hello, my name is Eric McKeever, and I wrote and directed this film, uh, and it is very, very loosely based off of actual events from my life. Hello, my name is Quinn Lord, and I played Sean Gunderson in the film EK Boys. Hey, I'm Ronak Gandhi, and I play Vic. Hello, I'm Christina Higa, and I play Miki Shimizu. So I watched the movie yesterday. Amazing. Absolutely loved it. It it uh it sparked a memory in me of like watching like kids' films in the 80s where there was a legitimate sense of urgency and danger as opposed to like when I was a kid in the 90s watching the films that they were giving us, and it was like, oh no, I hope the Looney Tunes don't get trapped in a cartoon planet. <laughs> so like, so like I, I appreciate Eric for, for the script writing standpoint, obviously having, having that sense of urgency throughout the entire script. I'm assuming you grew up on the movies that I'm thinking of, like the Goonies and the monster squads and the last uh, star fighters of the world. Right. No, I, I did. Um, you know, and it's interesting um, because my impetus for making the film, I, I, 
I wouldn't say it's an accident, but I would say that it's more of a byproduct that it ended up like that than anything else, because the real impetus from it was I wanted to make a film that I want to make a film that I was uniquely qualified to make. And, <laughs> my thinking, you know, and, and my thinking was, if I do something that if I do something with a message that I believe deeply, and if it's about stuff that I care about deeply, you know, with monsters and <laughs> uh, that, you know, I will make something good and passionate and appeals to people. And I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm 35 and I basically just care about and am animated by the same things that I cared about and animated me when I was 12. So I think the fact that the film ended up the way it did really speaks maybe more less to filmmaking influences and more a desire to really authentically capture, I don't know, just capture that, that childlike inner, I don't know, inner spirit. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. You and I are the same age. I feel like we probably both grew up running around the recess yard playing Power Rangers, which is like very okay. much like the yeah. the <laughs> sense that I get of this movie. But it's yeah. also very clearly pulls from a love of anime, a love of kaiju movies. Uh, was mm -hmm. that was that love across the entire cast and crew? Obviously, it was there with Eric. But what about the rest of you? It was kind of there with me. I grew up with Transformers and Robotech because of my dad growing up in the eighties. So. I definitely had some anime influence uh, in my younger years. Uh, a little bit of Pokemon got in there as well, but uh, yeah, not not quite as much as Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my uh, my anime experience uh, was more like the Dragon Ball Z, uh, Digimon, Pokemon. I was really into to that, really hardcore. Uh, and then more more recently, like Avatar: The Last Airbender, but. Uh, I didn't know that the dragons and the machines were, because I watched Transformers as well, so I didn't know that they were called mechas and kaiju. So that was a cool, um, I guess, entryway into that. But I'm happy that I was able to also relive part of my own childhood going through this whole entire experience. Very cool. Ronick is an excellent mentor in all things Avatar. Really? Mm -hmm. I love Avatar. While they're talking cool. about Farscape, we can talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a separate interview. I hope my sound isn't being weird on your end. No, it sounds great. Let me know if it is, because there's like a weird glitch that is. For a second there, you sound like a Dalek. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to try to uh, say this quickly. But yeah, for me, I w was not so exposed to anime growing up, even though I grew up in Tokyo. It was all around me and like I think my brother was he was really into watching anime but not for me um that's something I've recently gotten into since moving to America and the whole trend of anime and Japanese culture but it's kind of filming this and being around Eric has kind of exposed me like my deep cultural roots, which is cool. One of the things that I thought was really interesting throughout the movie, and uh, again, I, credit's going to go straight to Eric on this for for the writing, but you all performed it very well, is that I love the juxtaposition of you doing a film where there's two American kids completely obsessed with this Japanese culture, but then you also have someone coming from Japan that's very... <laughs> obsessed about like American history and the history of the American Indians and and Native Americans and stuff like that and I thought that that was beautiful having that that these two like uh passing ships in the sea almost of of 
these cultures that are passing each other by because they have a mutual love for each other's own stuff. Uh, I can't imagine that that was accidental, right, Eric? <laughs> no, it, 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 it absolutely isn't. Um, you know, so it, it, um, it, there's some, there's some semi-autobiographical stuff in there and, you know, and some fiction dosed in, um, you know, I, so Vic and Sean are, are loosely based off of my best friend and I, um, in high school. And Miki is, she's sort of a mixture of various female friends of mine, um, who I've, I've met since, uh, moving to Tokyo. Um, and you know, I, part of, part of the thing I wanted to get at is that, uh, they make a lot of mistakes, uh, <laughs> all of the kids. I mean, they get a lot of things wrong and that's okay. I mean, the important thing is that they're really trying and they're really trying to listen and to understand one another and also to, to show one another how much, how much sort of one another's worlds means to them. And I think what was really important to me is, you know, is the fact that they're all trying. And even if they're not getting it right, the fact that they are trying is going to get them, you know, that's that's going to get the most of the way there. Yeah, I want to focus on and I, I want to try to avoid spoiling too much because I want the audience to go and check out the movie and see all the twists and turns for themselves. But there's a really powerful point when when the two main characters are fighting and and one of them says to the other, like, I didn't like this stuff. I just kind of liked hanging out with you. And it really made me become reflective on like the amount of friends that have suffered through my trauma collection as I'm just like, no, watch this bad horror film from the eighties, please. (laughs) So I'm curious if each one of you, what's, is there something, I feel like this is a very human thing that we all do. What's something that, you know, you have absolutely forced upon your friends that they are not interested in. I think in my case, I tried to get a friend of mine interested in Starcraft when I was kind of obsessing over it. And then, uh, they weren't too into it at one point. <laughs> That's a big ask. That's like an investment. It kind of <laughs> is, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I quite learned my lesson because I'm trying to convert Eric now. But uh... <laughs> it's, it's, it's early days, but you're, you're having better luck with me so far. Okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Speak up if you're forced. I would say, like, I, I have never forced any anyone to do anything, but... I know Quinn and Eric have been trying to get me to watch Far Escape for a long time, so not to bring it back to the conversation, but I might crack one of these days, but not not yet. Not it's got yet. Muppets in it. What can be bad about it? <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think I forced any like TV or film upon any friends, but I've definitely forced weird Japanese food like fermented soybeans. <laughs> upon friends oh <laughs> yummy though indian food onto some of my friends and they have not responded nicely surprisingly <laughs> but that was as a kid well I, this was welcome but quinn introduced me to the peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich i was just thinking oh yeah what uh-huh. <laughs> i'm not so sure it was forced because you're actually willing so i mean <laughs> i might have to try that i mean i think my, my, mine is pretty obvious based off of the film so what i will say is you know, I had one of my favorite techniques for thinking things through and just sort of solving problems is to take a long walk um, and just kind of, you know, clear my head. So I developed both in Tokyo and stateside my favorite walking routes, generally alongside rivers. And it has not gone well whenever I have tried to introduce people to my walking. <laughs> there have been a few times where someone has come to me with a problem. I was like, here, let's take a walk. And I try to guide them through my sort of 
my inner mystical journey and it, that does not go well and leads to strained conversation. You mentioning that has made me realize that I'm probably becoming that guy with meditation these days where like a friend yeah. will be telling me about how terrible something is. And I'm like, have you tried Headspace? Like I really <laughs> recommend Headspace. <laughs> it's great. It's so funny. <laughs> so, yeah, it gets worse because uh, I, um, I, I also tend to befriend uh, cats along these routes and I try to introduce people to cats and very few people are as attuned to feline whims as I am. So it's... Um, yeah. Have you named the cats around the route? Like, are you just like, there's a cat, or are you like, hey, there's Perry? And like... uh, no, uh, they, they, they all have names. Um, and I, I, I live at the whims and mercy of Kit. Okay. During during the post production process, he would he would send us at least me pictures of all the cats in his neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. Look at this one. Look at this one. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it, uh, Eric. I I want to make an assumption here. Obviously, we're talking about the anime influence, but there definitely seems to be an influence also of like the Toho Godzilla movies and stuff like that. And God, are there many of them? Question for you, what is your favorite Godzilla foe or or friend, I guess? What other giant mech, uh, giant kaiju creature do you love in that franchise? Oh, boy. Okay, so my favorite Godzilla film is... Um it's a bit of an undersung uh, masterpiece, in my opinion. It's uh, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla from 1994. Okay. Um, I'm a big sucker for Space Godzilla. Now, if we were to cast the net a little wider, um, I mean, I think uh, Gamera 3 from 1999, that's just one of the masterpieces of Japanese filmmaking. And Irisu, the monster from that is, I mean, scary, ethereal, mysterious, um, that's I think that's just one of the masterpieces of of monster design in a filmmaking. I I have been trying so hard to get into more of the kaiju stuff because there is such a weird there's a weird charm to the cheesiness of it. Like I I like that for so long, even in the ages of CGI, it was like, no, it needs to be a man in a suit. <laughs> like, you know, the, the way I've always engaged with it and sort of in my close friends who are in to engage with it is you never watch it ironically. It's no. the magic is the magic is to invest in it as though it were real. And it really, it, it can, you know, it can really become a magical way to kind of revert to a, a childhood state because once you, once you will take the leap of faith to accept these inherently implausible things as real, then, you know, it, it, it's, it actually taps into some pretty deep, almost mythological things. Um, and it's just a hell of a fun, a whole lot of fun. Exactly. I think that I think that more people would benefit from seeing most pieces of entertainment that way. You know, I I would say, be it wrestling, a kaiju movie, or just like anything else. It's like you have to shut off the part of your brain that's like, well, this is fake and stupid. It's like, well, so is Game of Thrones, but they have a higher budget. So like. Okay. <laughs> But you you buy into it and you enjoy that world. And that's what I, again, to bounce it back to the movie, I love that so much that you just kind of buy into the reality of this film right out the gate. And I love the decision to tie it all around Y2K because it definitely brought up memories of like seventh grade sitting at the cafeteria table. Like, so are we all going to like die over winter break? Like, what is going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, thank you. And I think... Um, Again, I, I want this to be a film that is not just for 2021. I want it to be for many years from now. And that's part of the reason why I said it 20 years ago. 
But, you know, we're at a moment in history where everyone is talking about the end of the world constantly. And I really wanted to, in a fun, entertaining way, show people that, no, there's hope in hopeless situations. And things, things aren't as bad as they seem, even when they seem really, really bad. Like, where there's, where there's love, there's a way forward. Yeah. I want to also address the the cast of the movie with a question tied to Y2K, because uh, one of my side gigs is I am a volunteer at a church youth group and I deal with a bunch of like 17 and 18 year old kids and having that realization that like they don't they didn't experience 9-11. They didn't experience Y2K. So I'm curious, what what does y two like how does Y2K resonate? for for the three of you like when you're reading the script is it just like this thing that you're like oh the other generation was like completely over the top with this thing or is it something that like you apply to things happening today and be like no i could see how we would like also get really panicked about what is the computer going to do when those 99s turn into zeros again i can say i definitely understand it uh i technically was alive for y2k or (laughs) transition from 99 to 2000 i was 10 months old all right uh <laughs> and yes i was alive for events uh transpiring after that along uh for the future for that but um it it, it didn't really carry too much you know direct impact to me when i was in such a young age right in my younger years but um i can definitely i I've been doing a lot of research on the on the uh, historical aspect of it, but uh, yeah, I could definitely see events like that happening again. It's anything can happen, right? Exactly. And I can definitely see like the reaction to events and all that. It history does tend to repeat itself quite a bit. Uh, I would say I was a little bit too young to really feel the gravitas of world-ending doomsday stuff. The one thing I remember was being at a New Year's Eve party and then it was a family dinner and we just ordered a lot of Domino's pizza. So that was my main <laughs> that was my main memory of Y2K. What a last I meal. <laughs> I remember years later watching Family Guy and watching their Y2K episode. So I would say my main connection to Y2K is that one specific Family Guy episode. <laughs> Fair. Um, for me, I don't remember it being like a whole thing because I grew up in Tokyo and I don't know, was Y2K like a worldwide thing or was it, I feel like it was definitely dramatized in America. It was dramatized in America to the point that I remember watching the news and I forget which country was the first country to officially enter the new year. But there was like updates mm-hmm. where they're like, all right, everything's cool in Australia. Let's hope that this keeps going, everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so I, can, I yeah, go, go, go ahead, finish, Christina. Yeah. I mean, for me, my only connection is I think I realized that all zippers have Y2K on it. <laughs> that was just like, but literally until I read this script, I didn't really know how crazy Y2K was, but I definitely see it kind of repeating itself and in new ways, like with all these new advancements, every generation, every century, whatever, like I'm sure people have come up with all these theories. Uh, when it comes to world ending, like we can look back to World War II and then the Cold War after that with the whole nuclear arsenal and then Y2K or there probably, you know, maybe there is another world ending or potential world ending event that could have happened before, you know, 
Y2K, but after the Cold War. And then 2012, everyone thought the world was going to end again yeah. because right. of the Mayan calendar or something. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's because the pandemic is, you know, inching people closer. So it's, yeah. it's definitely so like a reoccurring thing. <laughs> yeah. So I am, um, my best friend um, is, is Japanese, um, about my age. And I, uh, prior to making EK Boys, I had a long talk with him about, you know, what his experience was. And it was really interesting because, so Y2K, the computer glitch was, you know, that, that was certainly something in Japan that people talked about. But the thing that really got a hold of the Japanese imagination is actually culture, what you were talking about, Quinn, is like the, the prophecies of Nostradamus. Really, like that was very much in the cultural conversation in Japan at the time, because uh, you know there was a there was a prophecy that supposedly the king of terror would descend from the heavens in 1999 and destroy the world. Um, so there were a couple of giant monster films about kings of terror descending from the sky <laughs> and destroying the world. Um, but the, it was really interesting because Japan is a pretty secular country. There was actually a deep interest in almost a biblical apocalypse. Um, and so I, and so I, I, I tried to integrate that into the film because that is just, it's interesting how that connected. That makes sense. Cause Japan can be very, it is very spiritual yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I need to let you guys farscape away to another interview for Fantastic Fest. But real quick, Sunday is the premiere here at Fantastic Fest. Uh, And are there going to be other opportunities for people to see it if they're not in Austin this weekend? Uh, Yes. um, uh, TBA. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> working on working on it very hard right now. <laughs> awesome, 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 guys! If it's playing anywhere near you, go and check it out. Thank you so much, all four of you, for the time, and have a great rest of your day. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Really enjoyed this. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, Think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to. Su- Wait, why did I say come on down to superhero stuff you should know? You're listening to the Geekscape Network.